come to the still, pure water of your word. And we pray that we could be revived this morning, that we could be strengthened, that we could have our roots planted deep, and that we'd be able to continue to thrive despite the environment we would find ourselves in. We pray that you could speak to us through your living spirit. You know the needs of everyone present and even those who would hear this message. And so we ask that you would do your work. And despite the weakness of your servant, and accomplish your purpose in each one of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you all to turn with me to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians beginning in chapter 1. As you know, um, Philippi was uh, the very first uh, church in Europe that uh, was started as God uh, sent a, a dream, a messenger, to uh, invite Paul to come over from uh, uh, Turkey to Asia Minor to, to uh, Macedonia. And this is the first place. And it was a place that was very close to Brother Paul, our, our Apostle Paul's uh, heart, and you'll see that this is a beautiful book full of tenderness, of joy, of encouragement, um, and uh, fascinating because it was written from prison. Paul was in prison in Rome and and confined, and yet he writes with such joy and uh, encouragement. Let's read it together. Beginning chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always, in every prayer of mine, for you all, making request with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. 
But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice, for I know that this will turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and to my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed and that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me and now here to be in me. Read to the end of the chapter. And Lord, bless the reading of his word. Let's kneel to pray. Dear Father in heaven, our hearts are overflowing as we read this word, as we realize the the riches that we have in Christ Jesus, the confidence, the, the joy that overflows, that could overflow a prison cell, that could touch far corners of the earth, the joy that is in Jesus Christ, that there is nothing else like it, no other experience like it in this world. And we're so thankful, dear Father, that we have an opportunity to step into that joy today, to experience it, to place everything upon thee, all of our cares and our concerns, all of the the straits that we are betwixt, to put them at thy feet and to receive joy in return. The love of Jesus Christ, which surpasses all earthly knowledge, all earthly wisdom, Who are we, dear Father, that we could partake of this? 
we are humbled, dear Father, and we're thankful and we're grateful as we read this word this morning, as we gather together around it, as we lift up our faces and our hearts to thee, Lord, fill us. Fill us not only at this moment and this hour, fill us for this life, for whatever is left of it, wherever it will lead us, wherever thou wilt lead us in this life. We know thy grace is sufficient. It is more than enough. We know, we see it in the path of Paul, where it led him, that even his enemies and their evil speaking could be turned to good. The furtherance of the gospel could be wrought through them, those that preached Christ of contention. Dear Father, this is the power of Jesus Christ, and we desire to have this power, dear Father, to partake of it, not to run in our own power, which is quickly exhausted, either the power of our youth or our intelligence or or of our wealth, or whatever it may be, dear Father, help us to leave those things behind. And where thou art asking us, let us let go of them. Dear Father, we thank thee for this opportunity, another day, another moment to hear this word, a moment of grace. And we thank thee for our friends who are here, those that don't know this and haven't fully confessed it, feel there is something missing in, in their lives, Dear Father, we thank thee for this opportunity that they have. And dear Father, we pray that it would be effective. And we know thy spirit is willing and, and thou art powerful. Thy arm is not shortened that thou cannot save even this morning hour. But dear Father, thou dost knock at the hearts. Jesus Christ is standing without. He doesn't force his way in. He doesn't barge in. He just knocks. And we pray that our dear friends would hear that knocking this morning hour, wherever they are whatever position they are in, that they would open that door and they would realize how long they have been withholding, how long they have been not willing to obey in that little, whatever that step of faith is. Oh, dear Lord, help them in this moment, in this, this time to respond and to experience that unexpected joy. Dear Father, we pray for the sick and the suffering this morning hour, those that are struggling with the ailments of their flesh. We think of Brother Edwin, and we pray for strengthening in his body and in his mind and his soul. There are many others, dear Father, those that are dealing with long-term conditions, those that are dealing with conditions that are causing decline of their bodies. Lord Jesus, thou dost triumph over all these things through thy death and thy resurrection. Thou art our only hope. We know it is, in the end, far better to be with the Lord. And we know that this path will lead through difficulty and through death even. But in the end, there is a great reward of being with thee forever. Lord, we pray for our children this morning hour. We pray that they would uh, be protected from the evil one. That the, the, the lies of Satan would not have purchase in their innocent minds. We know we are fallen, and there is a bent to sinning, and that, that bent to sinning is in each one of us, dear Father, but we pray that the word, the incorruptible seed that is hid in their heart now, it would, it would, it would blossom, it would bear fruit uh, now and in due time. Lord Jesus, for all these things, we thank Thee. We thank Thee so much for Thy willingness thy, to, to give of Thyself, to shed Thy blood, to offer Thy body, where would we be without this? We'd be nowhere. We'd be lost and alone. But here we are, recipients of great joy. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Indeed, we have a very rich word in front of us this morning, and one that is just full of, of treasures, treasures that can help each one of us, no matter what uh, stage of life we are at. This, this uh, book that Paul has written just overflows, we can see in the fourth chapter, how how through prayer, which he obviously practices every day with joy for his beloved church in Philippi, how he, how he gives a solution to one of the biggest problems we have this day about anxiety, about stress, about seeing things beyond our control that are threatening us that we cannot stop. And yet we see in Philippians 4 a solution to that. We see a great deal of, um, of uh, pressure as people strive to <coughs> accumulate things in this life against, uh, um, and, and, and sometimes we have and sometimes we have not. And again, Philippians 4 has a solution of contentment. 3 challenges us with continuing to press towards the the high calling we have in Christ Jesus. Chapter 2 talks to us about learning from Christ's humility. In chapter 1 here, we start off with with Paul's love and his confidence. His confidence that God has started this work in Philippi. It wasn't Paul's doing. Paul was supernaturally called to be there and there was supernatural releasing of him from prison even as he praised God at midnight in faith. Um, when, when, we, when we can praise God in the storm, <clears throat> when we can express our confidence in him in spite of the circumstances, God is greatly honored. And we see how he responded to Paul who was in prison there unjustly and freed him. <coughs> and even work to the saving of the entire household of the jailer. Um, His confidence, his confidence is in God. The God who has begun that work in the church in Philippi, he is faithful and he will finish it. had some conversations recently with some people who were afraid to begin, to commit themselves to following the Lord Jesus Christ. They have expressed the, the fear that, you know, they don't want to mess up. That there's, a, there's only one chance, one shot. If they do it wrong, you know, and, and they feel that... Um, um, a fear of taking that first step because of their lack of confidence in their own ability to overcome and, and to become a child of God. 
And here in this chap verse here, verse one six, uh, chapter one, verse six is one well worth remembering. Being confident of this very thing that He, God, which has begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's God's faithfulness and His power that is able to finish the work, not even just to get us to baptism or through baptism, but to the very day of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is going to continue to work in me, and I know I need it, and in you to continue to shape us, to help us to grow. We can see Paul's heart here. He's praying for them. You, you guys, you really have a lot of love. I've experienced your love, he says. You've sent to my needs in prison but I want you to grow with your love according to knowledge and discernment and judgment that you can learn to test and prove those things that are excellent, that you can be sincere. Does anyone know where the word sincere comes from? I remember uh, Brother Mike Bauman uh, teaching on that once. And if you look at the Latin word, it's sin. Sarah, without wax. Why without wax? Well, when they went to the market and if they wanted to sell their wares and they had sewn whatever garment and there might be a hole in it, the, 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 the quick way of fixing that is to take a little wax and plug up the hole and it looks like uh, there's nothing wrong with it. And so the the savvy consumer would hold up that garment to the sun and would see if there was any wax that was holding things together as a superficial and masking the holes, right? And so the, the implication is someone who is sincere isn't using wax to cover up holes and deceive uh, the unwary consumer that, you know, everything's fine here, I'm fine, all is good, and that that's not the relationship we should have as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we, as we heard last night, as we came together to, to take the Lord's Supper, that, that there is grace that if we are open and we acknowledge and humbly acknowledge our sin and, and where we have fallen short, God is able and has faithful, even as he's shown himself faithful, he will forgive us. What he requires from us is not waxed over, uh, you know, curated, everything's fine, nothing to see here. He's looking for a sincerity and a a. a and a willingness to be humble and acknowledge our struggles. And he can not only forgive, but help us to um, be able to be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, that we can become more like him. Again, our culture today, uh, you know, through social media, we can, can maintain an appearance and maybe even as a church, you know, if we only come the Sunday morning and, you know, we, we were dressed our best and smell our best and, and, and everything is, hair is in place, uh, you know, we can have the wax of appearing like our life is in order. But that's not a genuine 
saint, because we're not looking at stained glass saints here. We're talking about those who together are in the trenches, that love each other and are helping each other to grow. And that requires sincerity. <clears throat> um, and that we can approve those things that are excellent. Now, let's look at Paul's attitude and learn from it. Are you facing struggles? Do you face health challenges, limitations, uh, disappointments, um, areas where you feel like uh, you don't see a way forward, where you don't have freedom to act and to do what you would feel is, uh, is best? Here's Paul. He's in a prison cell. Uh, unjustly, and people are even making fun of him, taking the cause for which he loves, and he, they are uh, even um, uh, spreading uh, things that aren't true or, or mocking him for his testimony. And there is a very real possibility that it may not end with uh, the embarrassment or the mocking or even the curtailment of freedom, he may lose his life. That's very real possibility. And what is Paul's attitude? He is rejoicing. He says, I think this is great. I am confident that the highest purpose... Um, that, that the things that have happened to me are going to work out to the furtherance of the gospel, and that's all that matters to me. So when, when I face challenges that things don't work, say, at work, am I disgruntled, or is this an opportunity for the furtherance of the gospel? There was... Um, we heard the testimony of someone a couple weeks ago in Northport. He uh, didn't come from a church background. He was pretty rough uh, background, didn't know anything about God. But um, yeah, he, someone encouraged him to, to turn to the Lord, and it was all brand new territory for him. He had never read a Bible before. He didn't know what this looked like. He, he felt that as he prayed sincerely, that he felt the presence of God with him, but he didn't know what to do, and he didn't know where to turn. But he remembered, well, there is this one person at work, and he, he's different. He, he doesn't, you know, he goes through the same frustrations and pressures I do, but he responds differently. He responds with grace and, and joy instead of frustration and anger, and, you know, he claims the name of Christ, so maybe I can learn from him. And so through that person, he says, teach me what this thing means to, to walk with Jesus. And so even for you who is going through frustration and trials at work, maybe you should rejoice that these things work out through the furtherance of the gospel as you respond in a different way. That someone who's watching at the point, some point maybe years later, say, you know something I don't. Tell me about Jesus and how I can walk with him. <clears throat> now, 
this verse here. This is gold. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Think about Paul's passion here. The fact he was going to die was victory. It wasn't something he was afraid of. He says later on, he's praying for the Philippians that they would not be terrified by their adversaries. Don't let fear come in and, and, and get you all worked up. They can't do anything to you. If you end up dying, you get to be with Jesus, and that's better. You cannot lose, says Paul. I can't lose. They can lock me up. They can even take my life. But they're doing me a favor because I'm going to get to be with Jesus. And if I live, I'm not living for myself. And that's why if I lose my stuff, if I lose my freedom, it really doesn't bother me because I can't lose my hope. I can't lose my confidence. I can't lose my joy. I can't lose my hope because none of those things are in the stuff I have. They're beyond the reach of my adversaries. So I don't need to be terrified by them because for me to live is not to enjoy the good opinion of other people, is not to enjoy the good life that is temporary and the good health that is temporary. For me to live as Christ, I have a purpose here. And it gives me, um, gives me so much joy and passion and, and meaning. Something this world is lacking as we have lost the meta-narrative and we are living our own little scripts in the postmodern world and it's all about us and not about anything bigger than us and yet anxiety, depression, um, you know, fear are on, on the ascendant in, in, in an epidemic way. But Paul is saying, look at a different way. If you can live for Christ, not even death, Nothing needs to um, discourage you. I, uh, we sent out our, our Christmas cards as usual, and I got an unusual response from uh, a retired coworker of mine. I still send him my card, even though he hasn't been working for a while. He's been retired for maybe, I don't know, almost 10 years now. And to my surprise, he said he was so inspired by my my Christmas card, he, he's going to, he's, he's, he's always busy. He's an inventor. He's writing up uh, word search puzzles, but he was going to change it uh, and write one about faith because he saw there was value in that. And 21 days later, I, I get a 77-page story about Noah. Not all perfectly accurate, but very detailed. Imagine where he is talking about the value of faith. The value of, 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 uh, of living for something greater and of community and of, 
of, of, of purpose and uh, wow, you know, he, and how doubt is just a, a testing ground that we need to persevere. It, it helps us and, and how, you know, God's judgment is just on the past world, but we can look forward to the new world that'll be free from all the selfishness and corruption of the old and that, wow, he's, he kind of gets some of the major themes here for us. When we look around, we see things like corruption. We see things like things that, that, that are unjust. And there's a temptation for us to get very um, frustrated, to get angry with those that are perpetrating injustice, to feel that we need to fix and, and be judge, executor, and executioner and jury, and, and, and that's not our role. That wasn't Moses' role to go in there and, and fix the corrupt, uh, Noah's role to corrupt, fix the corrupt society. His role to say, there's a way out. There's a way forward. It's the ark. Enter in, and the wrath of God may beat on that ark, but, but inside you'll be born to a new life, free from that corruption. And so Paul, and the same thing, he's in the midst, he's in Rome, the center of a corrupt empire full of backstabbing, literally, uh, and, and all that was going wrong with the, uh, the, the decadent Western empire, and where it was all about power and money and slavery and all those kinds of things, social ills, uh, genocide, etc., but he wasn't saying, oh, listen to me, Nero or whoever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how to fix society. He says, no, enter into Jesus. And there is a new society. And listen to him. To die is gain. It's been a, a year since uh, we lost uh, my wife's mother, a year and a half since I lost my father. And my wife has just really gotten fascinated with heaven. Something maybe we don't study a lot, but now that she has people there that she loves very much and thinks about, it's starting to make her very much more interested. What is heaven? And what is it like? And, and you know, there is the present heaven, what happens when we die, and then, you know, the eternal um, new earth and new heaven, the new Jerusalem. Maybe we don't focus on that enough. That big picture, the fact that this problems, this corrupt world is temporary. Even my corrupt body, which is falling apart, is temporary. And there is not playing harps and clouds and so on, many of the fictitious elements that people, you know, uh, popularly assume, but there is a very real place of comfort where we'll not have to say goodbye anymore, where we won't have pain and sorrow and where there will be nothing, no lies, nothing that corrupts. And so Paul is, says, I'm, I'm, I'm really torn. I want to go. I want to be free from all this corruption. 
And to be with Jesus, that's really what, what I'm, uh, be with Christ, which is far better. That is his highest um, draw. Nevertheless, I have a purpose here. I, I can be need, uh, helpful and needful to you. I can build you up. And so I'm confident, he says, that God is going to keep me because he has a purpose for me. That if that purpose involves suffering, he actually says, I'm, I'm happy for you, Philippi, because I hear you have a privilege that you not only have the grace that is given to you to believe on Christ, you even have the opportunity to suffer for his name. That's not usually what we think of. Wow, I have the opportunity to suffer. But we're going to see later on how even in suffering, we learn and grow and we, the resurrection power of God, the real supernatural power of God shows up when we learn to suffer and like Christ did. And so he sees it as a positive thing. Now he's a little bit concerned about them because he hears some things. He says, let your life, your lifestyle be as such as becomes that the gospel of Christ, that when, whether he, he's able to come, which he hopes he is able to, or he's absent, he hears that they are in one, united, in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith in the gospel. That is his prayer. And I'm, that was Jesus' prayer, that we may be one, striving for the gospel. And so this morning, we've come together. We've come out of our many frustrations and trials and struggles. And, you know, we hear about some of our dear uh, brothers and sisters with the aging flesh. And we hear others that are, you know, dealing with their own trials. And each one, but we are encouraged and we come that we can help each other together to strive. It takes effort. It's not that I am confident that I can sit here and Jesus is going to do everything. He is faithful. He will shape me, but it's going to require a striving, a, a, a resistance, a, 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 a going against what my flesh wants and choosing rather to go by faith, even like Noah had to build that ark, he had to load that hay, he had to 120 years of sweat to prepare those things. And so for us too, we need to strive together in one and not allow Satan to divide us so that we can together um, bring glory to the gospel of Christ as we live it together. What a, what a beautiful word that we have read. May we choose to see things differently from a perspective of purpose and to say with Paul, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain.
We have heard a very rich uh, word this morning. We've heard and read a, a rich word that is brimming with confidence and with joy. And that same confidence and that same joy is available to you and to me today. It's not a self-confidence. You know, if Paul had been self-confident, prison would have just been a, a, a total disaster for him. If he had been relying on his own strength, he would have thought, this is the worst thing that can happen. How am I going to be effective? How is God, God going to use this? But because his confidence was in the Lord, he could see it turned. He could see that his bonds in Christ are being manifest in the palace and all these other places because his confidence was in God to work these things. And I think so often for us, the things that come upon us, they're a test. Is it self-confidence or is it confidence in the Lord? How is he going to turn this for his good? How is he going to work this for the furtherance of his kingdom? That's the question for you and for me this morning hour. That's, Paul, it's clearly, he ends the, the, the epistle with, My God shall supply all your need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, one little anecdote, um, maybe that illustrated that to me. We've been reading through the, the life story of us, uh, Patricia St. John, who is a, um, a nurse and um, a missionary, and... Um, she, one incident she was relating, she was in Morocco, which is a Muslim country. She felt a, a, a call to, to move to a little mountain village out in the way there, and, and people were not receptive to her at all. The, the local imams or whatever, they made sure that no one would, uh, not even the children would be allowed to come and, and, and visit her. Um, but one little boy was brave enough to, because... The, the little boys, once they got to age 10, they were uh, judged old enough to fend for themselves, and, and they had families, but there wasn't enough food to go around, so they had to scrounge for their own, and, and these little boys would come to her house to get fed until the religious leaders found out about it and beat them. But one little boy braved it, and she had an opportunity. He invited her back to his, his house where his, his family was. And she was given an opportunity now to share the gospel with the women folk that were there. And she struggled. And uh, it was not coming out. She was failing at this critical juncture of the language and whatever it was. And then this little boy took over. And he had heard already from her the story of the, the good shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep and goes and saves the one and he acted out the whole story for his family and dramatically, and they all followed it. And then it, they gave her a, an opportunity to, he said, now you tell them what it means. And that incident, to me, as I was thinking now this morning, that shows a, a person whose confidence is not in themselves, but in the Lord. And that in a seeming mess up, it was revealed to her that, no, this is God's way of working the people here one of their own has to be the one that brings the message, the gospel, to them. This little boy. And uh, it showed a confidence, a reliance on the Lord that, that he comes through. So let's think about Apostle Paul in this, this chapter that we read this morning of, of such confidence and such joy in, in the worst of situations that we could think of. 
and him seeing the Lord do his work, opening his eyes to it. And that's really, I think, what it has to come to, just a humbling of ourselves and an opening of our eyes in every situation in which we are to see our good God working. Be confident of his work, the good work that he has begun and he will continue. That's the heart of faith. That's the heart that experiences the joy that, that God has prepared for those that love him. Not the overconfident, not the one who, oh, this isn't my, in my plan. This wasn't part of my plan. How is this going to work out? But the one who says, Lord, I see you working even now. My bonds in Christ are manifest all over and, and, and the gospel is going forth. May the Lord encourage us with that word this day. And with that, we commend you to his care and his keeping.